Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have an incredible show this week. The main event is quite possibly the greatest human being on the planet, an amazing builder, and the leader of a band of robot pals. It's Mario the Maker. He joins me to talk about his viral sensation, Atomobot. Nick LaCapo joins me via Discord to discuss the feature product of the week from R. Paul Wilson. Before all of that, the show kicks off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians discuss their favorite tricks. And this week, the author of the book Out of Stock, Ryan Kane, joins me for a segment we call the Top 5 under five. Ryan Kane, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order, but let's start with number five. All right, I got to start. Okay, we'll start with number five. I got to start with kind of the, if there's a magic trick that got me really into magic, it's any drink called for, specifically watching Lance Burton do it in like one yeah. of the specials. Uh, and years later, I ended up building, he uses hospitality, and I got mm-hmm. the plans and built it my own out of scratch because I couldn't afford one uh, and ended up doing that, which was fun. And I've, for a long time, I was like, I wanted to do any drink called for, but it's a freaking nightmare. And yeah. I was wanted. Yeah. Uh, it's for, for those of you, for the listeners who are not familiar with it, any drink called for is literally the magician like stands on stage, says name a drink. And then they pour that drink out of a teapot or a pitcher or something like that. There's a whole bunch of different methods. I know Dan Harlan's done a lot of work on it. If you, yeah. if you're interested in it, you've probably been through the Tarbell series where Dan just mm-hmm. went, he went hard in the paint on on that trick. Yep, it's one of the thing. It's one of those things that magicians get obsessed with. And yeah. you know who does a really um, because I've always wanted to take Steinmeier's version, which I think is the most beautifully constructed as a as a convincing deception thing. But it, it's somewhat limited. But combine it with a lot of Alan Wakeling ideas, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was all set. Like I'm going to dive into this project. And then I saw Andrew Evans do exactly that and it's better than it's like that's exactly what i was gonna do you were fantastic i'm glad that you were doing that because he does it fantastic uh just absolutely beautifully well let's move on to number four number four is probably linking finger rings uh i oh uh, like the himber ring or you the himber ring yeah yeah the himber ring style Mm -hmm. i have never had a magic trick that i performed more consistently make audience members cry and like tear up than that routine being able to borrow finger rings and then link them and then show them linked like pretty close up and then unlink them and hand them back is very powerful. I know it, uh, I, I, mean, I worked in Magicopolis for years and saw Steve Spill do it every weekend. I know Nick Capo does it. And it's it's kind of one of those where you need to be a little jazzy because you need to be okay, like yeah. ready for any possible ring. But Because uh, I know a lot of the people who do it have lots of different methods. Yeah, there's tons of it's one of those things that I was doing really, really consistently. And then another performer in one of my best friends in in San Francisco started adding it to his act. So I kind of phased it out of mine because we would try to be really good about like, there's only so many tricks out there. So if someone else in the area is really doing it, I'm trying like, all right, you can do that. I've got other things I want to work on. And uh, it's interesting now that I'm in New York of, I want to revisit it, but also, you know, like Steve Cohen does it and a lot of people do it, but do you uh, do you take inspiration from Tommy Wonder at all with any of his? I do actually because I was using um, I I figured out how to make his gimmick, but using magnets instead of I oh, nice. essentially what I used was uh, it was really funny. Again, my friend David Gerard had um, Regal's linking ring set or mm-hmm. finger ring set, which comes with if you have it, it comes with a magnetic ring and a, a normal traditional locking ring. Mm-hmm. 
and he liked the locking one. So he let me keep the, he let me borrow the, ma the magnetic one. And I found that if you took a pencil and you put, you take out the eraser and you put in like a tiny magnet, it lines up and you can make that gimmick oh, out of so just good. a pencil. And, uh, and so I would do that, which is really cool. Cause the, the, the thing is, is it makes it very effortless where you don't get the, I, I believe, I believe it's Regal who caused it the mm -hmm. itsy bitsy spider moment of the yeah. hands like together. But I mean, if it's, if it, again, depending upon the rings you get, it can be yeah. as beautiful as just literally sliding into your hand and you're done and they're so linked. good. All right. It's, let's, yeah. I, I could talk about this all day with you. Five but minutes, we, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, give me number three. Three. Um, I'm obsessed with ice productions. Um, like making blocks of ice. So anything yeah. by Kieran Johnson, who has a ton, by the way, Kieran yeah. Johnson, I think gets close up magic. And if you're looking for like an underground performer to just buy everything from, he's, he's the, the guy. He's so he, good. He just, he gets everything. He really does. Uh, and so, so, you know. So you're sort of becoming a modern day Malini here, just producing ice from hats all over the place, huh? Yeah, I mean, I was doing walk around and and uh, not the not the hat, but like you know his thing about making ice appear in walk around situations yeah. and and having stuff appear inside of it. I'm just like, this is this is awesome. This is me, and you know, to be in you know to be in a group because my theory in close up magic is like to try to build people around me and stuff. So if yeah. I'm there for like 20 minutes and someone's been there, and then suddenly I make ice appear out of fire, and it's like this. The best thing was like where did you get like this isn't what they have here like this is this much yeah. larger block of ice it's just frying to people and so uh, and again this organic level where you're not just making yeah. cards and stuff but like ice and liquids obviously is stuff that is interesting to me all right let's hit number um, two uh number two double cross by mark southworth you just you can't you draw a sharpie on someone's that. you draw a sharpie mark on someone's hand it vanishes off of their hand or vanishes off of your hand and reappears on their hand i it yep. can't get better a double crosses appeared on so many lists and it's so good and i hate how wonderful i hate it is. i hate the trick i have such a love-hate yeah. relationship because it's so good and it's so yeah. freaking easy and oh, uh man. the only thing i'll tip to any listeners is it is not as deceptive as you think it is if you Correct. you really want to add a lot more misdirection ideally literally marking them a trick or two ahead of time before you do that, if possible. Because after a list, eavesdropping on people that I perform for, figuring it out really quickly, or also because it's in so many other magicians' acts, I've seen a lot of magicians do it, and the group figures it out. There, you know, you get that shock of like, whoa, because it's this very cool moment. But I do, I don't think it passes the walk back to the car test unless you add a lot of misdirection. And when I've seen performers do that, that's when they just can't figure it out at all. I, th I think that's probably some of the best advice that has been given on this podcast about double cross. Uh, but let's, we, we need to move on. Let's yep, get number one. Final one. Tossed out deck um, is I just. I wholeheartedly agree. I love yep. tossed out deck. If tossed you've out never, deck. If you're listening to this and you've never seen it, a uh, magician tosses a deck of cards out. Uh, four or five, sometimes even six or more people uh, peek at the deck because the deck is rubber banded. They toss it back up to the performer. The performer is then able to name all of the cards that the people thought of. It's a miracle. Yep, and I'll and my kind of thing I'll tip to readers here, opt for more. I use a five five rotating stack, mm -hmm. and the reason why is because uh, it's actually really hard to to tell that you're looking at a gimmick deck when there's that many cards in it. Yeah. Uh, I've gotten confused setting up for the show, and I've gotten to the point like if you've done toss out deck and you toss them, then they're nervous and they don't know what to do. I've told people find one you know the name of, and I've told people that holding 
a gimmick deck of cards because you just make sure that there's a numbered heart in there and that's the one they're going to go with every time. And you can't really do that if you only have a three card or the traditional because the Mm -hmm. original version was one card um, stack in there. So When we're off pod, I'll tell you some of my secret handlings that I'm not quite ready to share with the the magic community yet. They're a lot of fun where you can drill down so that you could be naming individual cards with people. It's a lot. I have some thoughts on that too. I also have a a switch that, um, that I know is deceptive because afterwards magicians come up and say, you know what? You could switch the cards during that moment. Um, And uh, (laughs) sounds like we're going to have like a secret method party without the rest of the podcast. Pretty much. Yeah. Can everyone just leave right now? (laughs) Ryan, thanks so much for joining me on the top five under five. Those are five great tricks that people should check out. Thanks. Thanks so much to Ryan Kane for joining me on the show. If you want to find out more about Ryan's book, jump back to the July 1st episode, season two, episode 38 to hear Ryan talk about replacing all of the stock lines in your show with original material. On to the main event. Mario the Maker was the 2020 Penguin Magic Lecturer of the Year, and he followed that up by going crazy viral building a charming robot that could perform actual magic and recreating Robert Houdin's clockwork creations with modern servo motors. I caught up with Mario via Zoom right before he was due to do some more awesome stuff with Make Magazine, and now you get to join our conversation. Mario the Maker, welcome back to the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was just having you on because I enjoy talking to you, but... um, (laughs) The real reason we're talking today is because you've got a little buddy who is arguably becoming more famous than you now. His uh, his name is Automa- yes. Automabot? <laughs> yeah, it's Automabot. Automabot, and, sorry. And my wife named it, you know, I, we were trying to think of like Automata, Robot, and then we're like mixing names. But anyway, this is, yeah, I'll, I'll bring him out. This yeah. is Automabot right here. And he's, he's uh, so made cool. a cardboard, a couple servo motors, a couple sneaky 3D printed elements. Okay. And, and Eric, because I freaking love you, dude, and I love watching your career <laughs> blossom and bloom, I'm only showing this because I know it's not going to be on video, but yeah. but here's the back. You could see all the, Whoa. the chaos that's in there, and there's all kinds of uh, electronic components. I will say there's an Arduino Mega that's powering everything, mm-hmm. and uh, it's this was a evolution of six different robots. So what you're seeing is the sixth version. Now, if 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 no one's ever watched Atomabot, was one of the first videos that you did with him? Um, uh, was it the the oh, sponge balls yeah. or was it the aluminum yeah. foil? Yeah. So like, here I am, like in April, May. We're like still in COVID heavy, like trying to figure out what to do for social media, and it just hit me like that the whole ball to mouth ball. I don't know what the concept is, but you know, like the sponge ball to mouth, that yeah, classic yeah. magic trick where you take the ball out. And you're talking about, well, there's a version, an old classic with a handkerchief and where you shake the handkerchief and then an egg falls into the hat. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you know what I'm talking about? That has the thin string attached. Yes. And, and then, and then you lift up the hank, show it it's empty. So it just dawned on me. I was like, man, if I can do a version like that mechanically where this robot, you know, spits a ball out, grabs it, and then you see the ball and then he dumps it into a cup and It was crazy, Eric. Like, it took me a bunch of tries. Like I said, six robots. But the moment that I videoed it and it fooled me, I freaked out. Like, I felt like it was Christmas and I was like eight years old, you know? It's it's crazy to watch because intellectually, I know where a a lot of this stuff is going. But at the same time, there's interesting magic principles that are in play that I I was like, where did that come from? And where did did that go? You know, like, I, I... I know it's a bloody robot, so, (laughs) 
but it's uh, it's neat. Well, that's what's that's what's cool about this exploration right now for me is that it's cardboard hands. Mm -hmm. You know, I can so the slights all of a sudden become layered, where like I can get away with some sneaky stuff because it's not a human hand. You know, so we were used to how a human hand holds a ball and how it, you know, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, so. So um, it's been real fun, like camouflaging gimmicks, utilizing cardboard, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then the movements. The big plus for me with this robot is the speed. Like, you know, if you think of an old automata, it's always very slow most of the time, you know. Yeah. So we have yeah. micro servos now that are super cheap that can be programmed to move quickly, you know. So having the flexibility of the cardboard and utilizing, you know, the what's the word I want to use? The, you know, it's very vulnerable, you know, the, the, the technology, like the cardboard is very floppy and sloppy. So I'm utilizing yeah. that sloppiness to my advantage. I was so gonna, I was does that make sense? You. Yeah, I was going to ask you if the, there are movements, which again, uh, I will, I will post in, in the show description below, there will be a link to a video where you can see this robot in action uh, because it, it looks rough, but that is not like that's not a that's not an insult. Like it is, yeah. it is sort of intentionally rough because I know that you're you make beautiful things, uh, yeah. you know. But the the eyes are big and sort of uh, like pointy, and the there there are unfinished <laughs> edges on on portions of the cardboard. And there's a straw eyebrow. Yeah, which the straw <laughs> eyebrow like gives so much life to this. But did you are, are some of those actions going on intentional as in like you're programming the servo to wiggle a little bit or is that are you just taking advantage of the natural materials of the cardboard that is like a little floppy yeah so that's a great question honestly like i film the same movements like multiple times mm -hmm. so at different speeds and if i can get the right angle with the right movement with the slight that i'm trying to execute and it works then I program that solid into the code, you know, and then mm -hmm. I move on to the next bit. So basically I think of the ending first, mm -hmm. you know, and with the little sponge, with the little multiplying ball thing, I wanted at the end to show the cup is empty and full of confetti, you know, and, uh, and then I wanted it to puke the ball. So it's resting right outside the lip, almost like it really is. Yeah. Puking. So yeah. there's like a thin thread there. I'm using a standard crocheted cups and ball mm -hmm. balls, you know, like red, red ones, but but then, like, I don't know if you saw the Coin Matrix one. You know, yeah. I was emulating some AGT acts. Like, I was inspired by Will Size, America's Got Talent Act. Yeah. And I was yeah. trying to understand the core principles of the Coin Matrix and how do I make a robot do it, you know, yeah. instead of me, you know? When you start to I – because, mean, I like, let's be very clear. The robot is doing magic. This is not – this is not like a – uh, oh, this thing flips around or something like this. Like there are elements that fool you. And even if you look at it as a robot, you are using core magic principles to make this thing happen. Yeah. So like anyone who says this isn't magic is just flat out wrong. There, This is real <laughs> magic. Uh, I mean, we're, we're combining technology with magic more and more yeah. every day. I mean, you look at, That's there's right. half a dozen witch hand products on the market that are all, <laughs> you know, computer devices. And this 100%. is no different. But when you're yeah. creating these uh, these routines, how do you, how do you sort of how do you go about combining classic magic techniques for a robot which you know doesn't have articulating fingers you know doesn't have flesh yeah. that can classic palm well, I mean, when you see Automobot, you're seeing 15 years of me suffering through programming mm -hmm. and try and trying different robots to do magic for live shows. Like just like my Penguin lecture, mm -hmm. you know, it's like I'm I, I've I learned how to adapt 
servo movement with a microcontroller how to make this simple cheap servo perform magic whether i have to add multiple servos whether i have to add bigger servos and bigger batteries so when you look at automabot's eyebrow with the straw i didn't come up with it this year this is me teaching magicians programming and i had a, a kit i had a kit thing that we did mm -hmm. that utilizes this straw eyebrow for something else so these are evolutions of other robots over the years you know this movement from the hands same thing these are uh 3d printed elements that i've utilized for other tricks and but what's been real exciting is uh getting to a level where like it's kind of like learning an instrument eric you know like yeah. when you learn how to finally play guitar so you can write your own songs like that's the dream you know and so it's been real fun if there's one blessing from covid is that it's forced me to think out of the box again from home mm -hmm. and try to you like try to take advantage of this new version of an audience where it's a vertical screen on a phone how can we entertain in 20 seconds you know you said that there this is there are six robots now there were six versions that got to here or there are six different robots that do different things because Atomobot has like multiple routines yes yes that's true so I, what i let me clarify that what i meant was um, I am working on a second book with Make Magazine that's going to come out in the December. So I started an exploration of how to utilize robotics where I can teach magic and robotics. For example, I don't know if you saw this video yet, but I have this trick with the Rubik's Cube, a mini Rubik's Cube, mm -hmm. and this little frog box. I don't know if you see it here. So what <laughs> yeah, happens is I take the little cube, I put it inside this little box so you can see it. See if you can see it there. You see it? Yeah. So and, for our listeners, then, there's this like weird little cardboard box with giant frog eyes on top that is very adorably opening and closing its mouth with a Rubik's Cube inside. It's very strange and very cute. And there's the cube, and it's solved. What? So, so what's so what? So the cubes, these are it, part. It cube solved itself in like two seconds with this like tiny yeah. little. There's an, and there and if if there's no space in that box, I don't know where the other cube went. <laughs> yeah. So this so this is what's been real fun is is working on a new book that explores the simple movements of servo, you know, servo movement with Arduino. So, so that's all done with Arduino and some servo motors. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by R. Paul Wilson's Miracle Pickpocket. Nick LaCapo joined me via Discord to discuss this clever coin conundrum. Nick, do you remember how much fun we had when R. Paul Wilson was hanging out with us? I miss R. Paul Wilson. Oh, man. He's so much fun, and he's he's such <laughs> he's so much fun, and he's such a nice guy, and he's such a talented magician. And uh, today we're talking about uh, a fun little coin trick that he shared with us called Miracle Pickpocket. This is a great one. Yeah, this is a great one. Uh, you know, it's different. Yeah. for for Paul because Paul is kind of known for coming up with great card magic, but this is a, a, a really unique. What do you call this? Like a challenge? Yeah, it is. It is like a, a little bit of a challenge because you've got, um, you know, there's a little bit of information about how, uh, you know, cultures that had coins with holes in them would use uh, like a, a length of rope uh, to hold all of the coins, almost like a like a fancy wallet on their belt. Uh, and then our Paul teaches you how a pickpocket, like a magician pickpocket, would steal those coins by getting them yeah. all, all of them off the cord, and it's got. Right. Uh, it's you know it's got some yeah. solid through solid elements and uh, yeah. So it it comes with a bunch of coins, yep. right? And you're gonna get this uh, loop of uh, rope or thread, mm -hmm. and you're gonna loop these coins that have holes in them on the loop of thread. Uh, so there's one on there, and then you tie about five or six more back on there, mm -hmm. and you show everybody like, look, to get these coins off this loop of rope would be impossible, right? Uh, because they're tied onto this loop of rope, and you kind of like. 
have the spectator hold it and you're going to say, I'm going to show you how somebody would steal these coins off the loop of rope as in a, uh, a pickpocket, right? And uh, all the spectator does is just shake their hand while they're holding the loop of rope and the five coins just drop off the rope into your hand. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow. I'm not even sure how. <laughs> I know how. I was there when we filmed the tutorial. <laughs> it's a it's a cool little trick that's a lot of fun to do out. It's uh, It sort of feels like a classic trick. Uh, plus, you also... The last coin can come off, too. He teaches a really cool phase where you can make the last coin come off the rope and then back on the rope. It's, it's really neat. Uh, you, you're yeah. going to learn a lot of magic uh, in one little thing. And if you want to do something a little more offbeat with your coin magic that's not you know, just cards across or, or coins across or, or, or coins changing color, Miracle Pickpocket's definitely one that you're going to want to carry around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul Wilson, go grab this one. I, and, the, and the props are super nice when, uh, when you get this one in the mail. So I think you'll enjoy doing it. That was Miracle Pickpocket by R. Paul Wilson, available on penguinmagic.com. As always, our loyal listeners get 25% off the featured download of the week when they enter the special code at discount. This week, that discount code is THEFT. That's THEFT, T-H-E-F-T, for 25% off R. Paul Wilson's Miracle Pickpocket. Now, back to my conversation with Mario the Maker. <laughs> yeah, so this so this is what's been real fun, is, is working on a new book that explores the simple movements of servo, you know, servo movement with Arduino. So, so that's all done with Arduino and some servo motors. And the idea is, if you notice, it's all made of cardboard. Mm -hmm. These are cheap uh, Rubik's cubes you can buy online. So I'm utilizing um, objects and things that are accessible. That's the point. And uh, so what happened was I started building robots like the one you saw. Mm -hmm. And after the sixth one, it hit me. Like, I don't want to be touching the robot at all. I want the robot to do everything. That was the challenge. And then that's how Otamabot got birthed with that first routine. Is he going into your show now that, because, you know, before we were on pod, we were both talking about like getting back into performing is, but is, is yeah. he going to join the show the way the, the monkey and Mr. Lamp and Mr. Table have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the month of August is going to be spent repairing all my Marcel and all those, the lamp. But the goal is for Automabot to do a solid two minutes on stage live, whether I have a video camera and a monitor or whether it's doing it right up front. Mm -hmm. I want to actually perform the blooming orange tree where the whole thing, both the tree and the vanishes of the orange and the flower and the ring happen all by itself. That's the dream. I don't know if it's going to happen, Eric. You know. <laughs> Thank you for setting me up for a segue because the when when I reconnected with you, over Instagram was when you were showing off this orange tree, which is, it's, it's a beautiful recreation of Robert Houdin's orange tree. Uh, did you, have you ever gotten to be up close with the original? Cause I think one of the originals still exists. I think it's actually been displayed at conventions before. Really? Yeah. I have never. I could I'll very well honest. be wrong. If you're listening to this, please hit me up on Instagram and let me know if, if, if I'm just telling, if I'm feeling Mario with false hope. But <laughs> <laughs> I w it would be a dream yeah. if I could see the real. And honestly, holding this orange tree is kind of the, the whole reason why I got into magic years ago mm -hmm. was like when I first got introduced to these kind of concepts of walking away from your magic, 
that was the spark for me that made me stick to magic was so it was really fun this year you know going to stupid stores like michael's and ac Moore and mm -hmm. and home depot and like making uh you know a homemade version of the blooming orange tree and then using automabot to do the show you know do the whole routine you for, know? for no one who for anyone who is not familiar with the orange tree in robert houdin french magician in the 1800 1800s i think uh had a a tree he would he would vanish i think he vanished a ring and yep. a lady's handkerchief. Yeah. And then there was an orange tree that was on stage and the orange tree would bloom and then the blooms would turn into oranges and then he would pluck an orange off and cut it open and the woman's ring would be inside and then two moths would fly up from behind holding her handkerchief and then he would give her the ring and the handkerchief back. And back then it was accomplished with clockwork, which yes. is just like... I don't insanity. even yeah I don't even know yeah. how to begin but it's yours is Arduino and uh yeah real it's mods? an Arduino <laughs> it's just an Arduino Uno and three five dollar servos and it was a huge pain it this was the most difficult I don't know if you know but this was the last automobile video I made for a reason because mm -hmm. it just exhausted me mentally <laughs> to build but what's so cool is that it works it's self-contained and it's all powered by two nine volt batteries you know um so the goal is you know I, I, this is tricky because it's not my routine it's just an homage to it but the goal is hopefully to talk about magic history in my performance so that I can show this and then Talk about, you know, using modern technology and help inspire kids mm -hmm. to be makers, you know? Uh, well, are there any other, uh, are there other, like, legendary classics of magic that were accomplished by, like, clockwork and witchcraft that you're trying to, like, convert to the dark witchcraft <laughs> of science? <laughs> <laughs> you know, one routine I really love, I'm not going to lie, I don't know if you've ever seen those old automatas where they have a fan and then they cover the head, their head, and then the head vanishes. And then there's a box on the side where the lid opens and then the head appears in the head oh, yeah. in the box. Yeah. So I was thinking about stuff like that. But honestly, my brain is just towards, I don't know, just I'm just trying to learn how to really like the bare bone ingredients like mm -hmm. cardboard, servo motors, Arduino, hot glue, scissors. What else can I emulate? What else can I recreate a classic with where I'm not touching it? You know, so uh so it's been fun. It's, well, it's been fun. It's incredible stuff, and I, I can't wait to to have you back on the show to to see the next thing where you like make a <laughs> robot do Malini's ice from under a hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be epic. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Eric. <laughs> well, uh, before we go, where can people find out what you're doing next? Um, because as of this recording, I'm going to put this out pretty quick since Tomabot is just like taking over the internet again and again and again. Uh, but where can people? So you're working on a book with Maker Magazine, and where yeah. else can people find you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm working on a book with Make Magazine. Um, you can find us on Instagram is where we post most. It's just at Mario the Magician or MarioTheMagician.com. You'll see all the upcoming things that are happening, our upcoming tour in January. We'll be heading cross country. And uh, yeah, Eric, it's always just inspiring to talk to you, man. I just love following everything you're doing. I love and following everything you're doing. you had me on. Well, if you're going on tour in January and you don't come through the Penguin Magic Studios, I'm going to take it as a personal offense. <laughs> we're definitely rocking it we're uh -oh. definitely hanging out excellent well mario thanks so much for coming on the show and 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 thanks to atomabot for coming on the show as well you, you were both fantastic guests as always <laughs> thanks so much eric that's gonna do it for this week kids thanks so much to mario the maker for joining me on the show and thanks to you for listening before we go i just wanted to thank all of the listeners who came out to see me at the mystique dining lounge last week it's not a huge venue, and to have so many of you in so many of the shows was a real treat. I look forward to being able to announce more shows soon and seeing more of you.
you at some of the incredible magic venues around the country. Next week on the show, the psychic soulmates Anthem and Aria Flint join me to talk about the Q&A Act and a lot more. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you complain about weird styles of answering Jeopardy questions on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to take my dog Rocco for a walk. Like, no joke, he woke up this morning and chose chaos. It's a miracle he's not barking in the mic right now. I love him, but... Woof. Then again, if wrangling a two-year-old Chewini puppy is not your style, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. (laughs) 